everyone. Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. My name is Natalie Kra. I am your host. Our guest today, Donna Papanya, was the former head of the Ayu Yoga Department of the world-renowned Ayurvedic Institute. Donna Papanya spent 10 years in the desert of New Mexico studying and working for Dr. Vasant Ladd where she assisted Dr. Ladd in the Panchakarma, quote, cleansing, end quote, department as his assistant consultant and therapist. She taught Ayurvedic diet and lifestyle classes at the Ayurvedic Institute, and most notably served as the head of the Ayur Yoga department. This experience of teaching the yoga program for Dr. Ladd's level one and two students of creating Aryu Yoga classes and watching the powerful transformation for all of her students year after year is at the heart of her teachings. Donna also carries degrees in a Master's of Nutrition, Ayurvedic Studies programs, Level 1 and 2 from the Ayurvedic Institute. She's a 500-hour yoga teacher, yoga therapist. She's also a certified Reiki master certified Ayurveda energy point therapist, certified quantum healing hypnosis therapist. For more on Donna, check out her website linked under show notes. This episode is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School. We offer 200, 300, 500 hour yoga training programs, both online and in person in various locations. Check out ShantiYogaTrainingSchool.com for all of our certification programs. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think that you will. If you're interested in Ayurveda, you will learn a ton. Ayurveda is the science of self-healing. You will learn about the doshas. You'll learn about eating with the seasons. You will learn about cleansing, about kitchery, and so much more. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. And recently, you and I, I came across you because you were doing a workshop, an Ayurveda workshop at Treehouse Yoga, which is a studio that I also work at. So I was really excited to find out. And then I came to find out that you were working with and studying under one of my favorite Ayurveda doctors, who is actually, I have the book here for the listeners that are not looking, but it's Dr. Vasant Ladd, and I'm showing her the book right now. It's just, I shall tell everyone, it's called Ayurveda, the Science of Self-Healing. It's a red little book. It says a practical guide by Dr. Vasant Ladd, and Donna worked with him. And we're going to talk about that today. And I definitely recommend this book for all the listeners. And I'll add all of our resources on show notes. He's in New Mexico. Somehow you ended up there, right? Well, he recently moved. Oh, so where were you when you were 
with I was I was with him in New Mexico. So where is he at now? He's now in Asheville. Okay. That's a that's a really cool town, Asheville. Yeah. So how tell us like how did you end up in New Mexico and how did you how did that happen? And I know this was like many years ago, right? Yeah. So tell oh, us yes. how many was... years ago and how old were you? How did you end up there? It's just such a cool story. It, it actually involves your book also that you were just showing. So I was doing my first yoga teacher training in 2002, a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I was at the Shivananda Ashram in the Bahamas. It was a month-long immersion program and I went into the boutique and no one was in the boutique at all and I promise you that little red book of Dr. Ladd's fell off of the shelf right in front of me wow and so I just bent over and picked it up and was like that was weird and I started thumbing through the book and that was what sparked my interest. I bought the book. And after leaving that yoga teacher training, I went directly to visit Dr. Ladd. I was living in Colorado at the time. So it was just a half day's drive to go down to New Mexico. So I rode down there with a friend and that went to go sit in on one of his evening lectures. And as I approached the glass door where he was sitting and mm -hmm. was going to begin his lecture, mm -hmm. I saw him and every cell in my body knew that I was connected to him and that that's where I needed to be. So I immediately signed up to do the following year's program and began my studies with him. I think at the age of 24. Wow. That's yeah. A, yeah. What a, what a journey, like just, you know, to go from one thing to another and just in such a flow, like it just almost like that just was, it was meant to be. <laughs> it felt meant to be. Yes. It really, I had zero concerns for anything other than just being in that flow mm -hmm. and staying in it. Yeah, that's wonderful at such a young age to have that much clarity and to be able to really just follow that as well, follow your heart and where you're, you know, being guided to and to stay with it. I think that's a that's a gift. Yeah. And so then how long did you stay? Then what happened? Like, because you studied with him and then you ended up staying. Like, what was the? I did. So his his program is a two year study program. So I completed the, right before I finished my second year, he offered me a, a job in the Panchakarma clinic, in the cleansing clinic. I took that position. And then while I was holding that position, I was offered to teach in the yoga department, the Ayur yoga department. So I took that on as well. I ended up staying a total of 10 years studying with him and, and working for him and with him and ended up as his assistant, bringing his patients to see him during their cleanse 
and also as the head of his yoga department. Great. And so for the listeners who are listening, we're talking about Ayurveda and we're going to get into that too, but tell us a little bit about him for someone who doesn't know who he is. And, you know, they're like, who's this guy? Who's this doctor? (laughs) And maybe just psychic explain a little bit what a doctor of Ayurveda is too, because I don't think a lot of people realize that it takes a long time to actually get to be a doctor of Ayurveda and what that means. And so maybe like a little bit about his work and Right. So he is Indian, grew up in India in a medical family, and was actually the head. He's a physician in India mm-hmm. and was the head of the hospital in Pune and was told by his guru that he was to teach Ayurveda to the Western world. That's how his journey began him coming to the United States and setting up a school here. More importantly in my mind is who he is as a soul. Mm -hmm. Because there's very few people on the planet that can, can transmit what he can transmit through his energy. He can elevate people spiritually just by being in his presence. He's very much about spiritual evolution. We always would say that his front is Ayurveda, but his real objective is to for, for each of us to evolve. And so, you know, he teaches us everything he knows about Ayurveda, but really he's transmitting this highly potent spiritual energy. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, there, it are, really is. there, are, there are people like that on the planet. I've been around that as well. And it's, it's super powerful. It's just, yes. just being in, in their presence in a room, you get elevated. Like you're saying, it's, it's not, it is, it's, sometimes it's not even about what they're saying, but it's about, like they're there and you can get that transmission, which is really a very powerful thing. Yes. Um, but I think that's really cool. So, so tell us again, what is Ayurveda? And I've interviewed a few other Ayurveda practitioners on the podcast, but I feel everybody has their own way of explaining. And it would be nice for someone who's tuning in right now, never heard about that. What is Ayurveda? If you can give us a... Uh- Somewhat of an explanation. (laughs) Absolutely. Before I do, there was one more thing about Dr. Ladd. Oh, yeah. Tell us. One of his students is a filmmaker and and made a film about his life. It's called Mm. The The Doctor from India. And it's it's good. It's oh, it's fantastic. It's it's beautifully done and it will give um, a taste of who Dr. Ladd is as a person. So the depth and breadth of it are immeasurable. But what it can do for you is provide a foundation in your life for those continued awakenings. So we would tease that Dr. Ladd was really trying just to awaken us. But providing the foundation of Ayurveda in our, in our lives as students of Ayurveda 
is essential. And so Ayurveda teaches about uniqueness and authenticity and finding who you are in the world as a, as a being inside of a body and how to most adequately nourish that body with foods, with rituals, with good company, with rest, with these types of things. It teaches you to become aware of who you are as, as a, a being of disposition, how your mind works and how we each have individual needs to nourish our minds and to cleanse our minds. So yoga, yoga tells us that our objective here on the planet is to, to calm the mind and bring it to a place of evenness so that we can experience samadhi. Ayurveda gives us some depth to that idea. It, it tells us that we're not all going to get there the same way, but it will show us how we can create diets and lifestyles and rituals and yoga practices that support our own unique makeup of the five elements. So the foundation... The foundation of Ayurveda is in the five elements and we're all made up of all five of them in some unique proportion. So there's space, air, fire, water, and earth. And they all play around inside of our systems in unique proportions. That's where the the different needs come from because we're all made up of unique proportions of those five elements. So Ayurveda teaches us to learn ourselves as um, beings of the five elements, to understand what our makeup is and what our tendencies are as far as going out of balance. Mm -hmm. And then how to fix it so that we can come back to our homeostasis and continue our spiritual journey. Yeah, that's that's beautifully the way you explain it. Um, it's the sister science of yoga. So I think it goes very beautifully hand in hand for someone who's on the path of real self-realization or just anything really trying to better yourself, whatever that means. I didn't mean one specific path. I just mean I'm thinking someone on the path of evolution, like you said. And, you know, try, if whether you're doing yoga or something else, but you are you were wanting to really look at yourself and to, to take the steps needed to be on this life on earth, but the, in your best highest form and vibration, which will support your evolution. I think that this is a practice that can be just, it, it just really fits like a globe because you can find out through Ayurveda about what is one of your doshas or your doshas of what's going on, right? And we can talk about that a little bit for people to understand. And then, and then I'm really curious, and I think this would be great for the community too, for you to bring us like through what that looks like when someone is discovering, right? Ayurveda and saying, 
or you're listening to this right now, wow, I want this, what you just said. And so it's like, it's really great too. I just want to say this because unlike the Western, which yes, we need that and we need the bandaid and we need the surgeries and all that. But we also, this is really looking at everything holistically, like all the parts of your life. I love that you said rest, the company you keep, what are you eating? What are you putting in your body temple? You know, just everything really to, and then it supports you, your individual unique essence for you to thrive or at least try the best you can with tools, right? Tools and support and all of that. So it's just such a, it's such a beautiful practice on, on my, and it's a way of looking at, at a person very individually. And I don't know, I feel like that's really where it's at, you know, cause everybody is so unique. Everybody's so different that it's important to have some kind of system that will look at you individually and to say, it's hard for me, even as a yoga teacher or trainer to say, everybody should eat this where everybody should do this or, <laughs> you know, it's like, like, wow. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's so different. How can we, so how can someone who's listening to this, like what would be the first steps to begin this journey? Let's call it the journey of awakening through Ayurveda with an Ayurveda practitioner. I know you, you can talk about what you do too and how you would start someone. Is it the first thing do you need to find out? I know some people do pulse reading or other, there are other techniques too, right? But how there do are. you start that? The the pulse is the gold standard for, for determining constitution, which is what we call the balance of the five elements. But it can be done in a myriad of ways. So that really is a great place to start understanding your proportion of the five elements. And as you mentioned, the doshas a moment ago, we, that's just the term that we use for the mix of the elements is the doshas. And so we pair do, uh, elements together, space and air are paired together. We call that vata. So obviously vata is very, light, very subtle, very mobile, because it's made up of space and air. We put together fire and water, and we call that pitta. So even though the water is there, the fire creates a heat, even to the water. So, so pitta is very hot. It's also mobile because fire moves and water moves. And then the third and final dosha is called kapha. And that's the last two elements, water and earth. So that's a more dense dosha. Earth and water, very heavy, very stable, not very mobile, but very dense. And so when we're talking about people, we determine which dosha is predominant in the person. And so you'll see quizzes online, what's my dosha? <laughs> I know. So, so there needs to be an understanding that everyone has all three. Okay. 
but there is a predominance typically of one. Some people have two that are predominant at an even proportion, but most typically we're going to see one dosha which predominates in the system. That's a good place to start to learn about your own unique needs in the world. Mm-hmm. And then, so with the doshas, when you say, you know, it can be two, is it like one maybe that you're born with and you it's sort of your predominant? And can it change the other ones? Can it vary depending on what's going on in your life or not really? Or So, so this is kind of second lesson. (laughs) I love it. So you're actually going to have to think about yourself in two different ways. So you could say that you have two constitutions. You have the one that you were born with, which is called your prakriti, Mm -hmm. and you have your current state that is likely out of whack, which is called your vikriti. And so it's, it's good to know both. You, you can get away without knowing your property. You need to know your vikriti. You need to know which dosha or doshas are out of balance for you right now, because that's where the work is. Okay. And then once, so that's how you, with your clients, is that how you start? So you just, again, people listening, you, you, you have a practice and you yes. see patients and stuff. So yes. that's how, so you determine that. And then from there, create rituals or say, okay, these are some foods that I recommend or how, how what's like the next steps? So the next step starts to get individualized because you know, we touched on it briefly and what is, what is Ayurveda, but to really bring it back to this point, anything in your life that you experience exerts an effect on you. And we could name any of them under the doshas, vata, pitta, or kapha, the weather, the company you keep, your schedule, your, your eating habits, your yoga practice, absolutely anything that exerts an effect on your life exerts an effect on your doshas. So we determine together what is the most potent area that we can make a change in. And that's where we work. So for some people, it's yoga practice. For some people, it's food, supplements. For others, it's, it's rituals. Ayurveda is big into to oils and, mm-hmm. and cleansing and this type of thing. So that's often a good way. A lot of times people want a, a little bit of everything, which is fun. So we, we kind of hit different angles depending on what each individual feels is doable in their life and sustainable and what will be the most powerful to bring them back into balance. Yeah, I love that you said the word sustainable because sometimes when we can be too dramatic on some of the changes and just because you read it, you know, on a magazine or whatever, read it on a book and then what happens, the issue with that is that oftentimes it's just not sustainable. 
And then you'll do it for just whatever amount of time. And it doesn't even feel natural and organic in your body. And then it like kind of fades away anyways. So it's kind of like creates this sort of imbalance either way, you know? So that's why I think that approaching things in a level that's more um, authentic and, and just allowing that to develop um, with the, with all the things, it's probably the right thing. And also, I think that's really cool to have support like someone like you just from hearing you talk I'm like well how cool would that be because then you have accountability too to say hey you know I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that or this changed a little bit versus you trying to get a book and do it on your by yourself which sometimes people try to do that but yeah it's very powerful like you said to have the accountability and then also I've been at this for decades so I know how to navigate through lots of different life changes that come up or, or, or different needs, you know, Mm -hmm. of course a book and that little red book is Mm -hmm. especially good, but yeah, I think it's powerful to have the, again, it's a lot of energy transmission. So just to have that component Exactly. It's is very was, powerful. I was looking for that word too. That's a yes. word for that. Yeah. I was thinking like a partner parallel going with it. Yeah. Component that that's nice. You know, and one thing I wanted to touch upon, because I think especially this podcast, there's so many people who do yoga. You, what you said in the yoga practice, I think sometimes we don't understand or realize that some yoga practices, even if you love it, <laughs> They may, they may be, I'm not saying one way or the other, but they possibly could also not be the ideal practice for you in this moment in time of life. Especially sometimes I feel like if we're getting kind of addicted to one practice or the heat or whatever it is that you want more of, it could potentially, and you could leave the class feeling that yoga glow and, and cleanse and very elevated. But when you look at your life as a, as a whole and you get like that bird's eye view and you really looking at what's going on and like the doshas and all that, well, perhaps you're more kind of feeding into the fire or vice versa, right? Or whatever it is that you're doing that you're like feeding more into the, the one that's like imbalanced that maybe like as a global, that practice may not be serving you. And it's, I think it's a really interesting thing because I don't, I don't even hear a lot of people talk about that, but because, you know, sometimes I I even tell my students as an example, to be very tangible in Ashtanga yoga, if they're practicing, you know, and many times a week when they're really attracted to vinyasa and power, and then I'll say, do go to a restorative class, you know, like really you got, you've got to like balance this out because I've seen, and I mean, I've, I've been that person too, that have done like so much in one direction. And sometimes we get so caught up and sometimes like we, a person have never even heard this concept before that because you just go and you feel so good. But what if, cause we're talking really about being the balance here with Ayurveda. We're talking about living a life more imbalanced and more in all different kinds of levels. So I think it's, it's interesting, like as a prescription to use yoga as a prescription also, oh, maybe this 
we're going to take a little bit of the hot power yoga and we're going to add more of the restorative or whatever it is, or you need the nidra. Or if you're doing only restorative, maybe you do need to go to that hot yoga once in a you know. But again, working with a practitioner like you, that's when you kind of can see those things. I think it's easy for the person to want something that they're just kind of in a cycle of doing it and it's almost like addictive. And sometimes we do that without even being like, like thinking, like, what are we actually doing? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And the yoga practice is, it's a powerful influencer over the doshas. So it's important to at least have a basic understanding so that you are maximizing the effect of the practice. You know, if the practice is truly for your evolution, then mm-hmm. having having the perspective of Ayurveda shine its light onto the yoga practice is very powerful to that end point. Yeah, it's very powerful. I also think that that can happen with pranayama too, you know, like breath, where I approach breath work very very mindfully. I don't just throw myself into just all of the offerings or whatever, because I feel like breath can be so powerful. It can really influence like, you know, all of your energy feel in your nervous system. And for me, it's not, I will do it if it, if it really, yeah, I have to really ask myself, is this for me, you know, or is this, I'm not like just trying to look for the next breath work workshop right out there. Cause it's like, it re- I really feel that that's very strong in your field. And it can be really good, again, depending how you approach it and how, who, for who, what, when, you know, and right. at what time. It depends. All of these things. And that's, that's the part that I, one of the things I love so much that you can ask all these questions for your own self in this journey of evolution. Let's talk a little bit about kitchery because that's the thing. Kitchery cleanse. This is one of my favorite things. So one of my favorite things is that I do is kitchery cleanse. And I also love observing the seasons. And I really learned that through Ayurveda, you know, like observing, meaning also, yeah, my life rhythm and the foods that I eat. And then I love doing a kitchery cleanse too. Oftentimes I do it when the seasons are changing so I would love for you to speak a little bit about that and what is that and why people do that. So Ayurveda is very much in rhythm with nature. And as such, with the doshas, each one has a predominance during each season. And so to go back to the idea that everything in your universe has some effect on your doshas. Well, the seasons are, are one of those. We're in summer, summer season now. And it's obvious that the summer season is ruled by Pitta. The, the fire is very, very high. And so to use the summer season as our example, over this season, we tend to accumulate more and more pitta. Mm-hmm. Now our, our bodies have a certain capacity to, to kick out the excess. However, there is a tipping point where if we're continuing to 
accumulate pitta and our body can no longer sufficiently rebalance us, there's a tipping point where we will start to experience pitta type of symptoms. So those are going to be heat related, whether it's skin inflammation or overheating or any sort of internal inflammation, any kind of inflammation is fire element. Excessive pitta emotions like anger and jealousy, mm-hmm. just, just a high fire in general. If we're accumulating too much pitta over the summer, we'll start to, to see ourselves with an increase in pitta in our body. And so Ayurveda says the end of that season is an ideal juncture to flush all of that pitta out. We wait till the end of the season and we do a cleansing period. During that cleansing period, we it, it's a little more involved than just taking kitchari for our meals, but that's definitely a component. Yeah, it, it's more involved. There's many different things that you can do. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who like just wanted to know what kitchari is, because I think it's such a such a great food to know. <laughs> right, right. So it, it's considered the food of the gods because it's it's a meal that provides complete nourishment to the body and is very easily digestible. So that's a key for during the cleansing period. You want foods that are easily digestible. So kitchari is perfect. Typically, we do split mung dal that's yellow. It's cooked with a certain mix of spices like turmeric, of course, and cumin, coriander, ginger. There's other spices you can add, but that's the the foundation there for the spices. And it's cooked with rice. And so that's just a basic a basic kitchen. You can add in vegetables. You could use other types of lentil or dal, uh, but that's the basic. Yeah, and I actually, I, yeah, and I have a recipe that I'd be happy to share. I actually have an entire booklet on how to do a seasonal cleanse that I'd be happy oh, to. Oh, wow. That's what I was going to say. Like how, so if someone is like listening and they wanted to do the real thing with the ghee in the morning, you know, and all this stuff, like how do you, would you say go through like a practitioner or? I would, I'd be happy to do it. That's one of my offerings is a fully guided 10 day cleanse. And so we would do a consultation. So you would get your doshas, get that understanding. I mail out a full kit that has everything to make the kitchery all of the herbs that you need to take, the oils that you need to have. And then we have daily contact so that I know that you're going through the cleanse and everything's going well. And then there's also an online portal with educational materials. Tell us a little bit about Abhyanga. What is Abhyanga and like why people... Why is that an important practice in Ayurveda? I I always tell people that 
In Ayurveda, we will put oil on anything. (laughs) We like to put it on our bodies, up our nose, in our ears. We just get really excited about oil. And I just made a batch of Abhyanga oil just Mm. yesterday. So I'm really excited to, to have a fresh batch. But Abhyanga is one of the tenets of an Ayurvedic lifestyle. It's oil, it's self-oil massage. And we, depending on what you've got going on with your doshas, we recommend daily or most days doing self-oiling. It has different objectives. One is that it just provides a a bit of time for self-care. As you're going over the body and massaging the oil in, it's, it's a beautiful ritual just to nourish yourself and to, to be with yourself. It's an interesting thing that the Sanskrit term for oil is sneha. And if you look up sneha in a Sanskrit dictionary, it has a couple of meanings. One is oil and another is love. And so we consider oiling the body to be a process of self-love. Yeah. And so so that's a beautiful ritual for anyone to do. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's the direction is from here to here, right? I mean, we're not where is so if we're in a cleansing period, yes, we want to go from the periphery towards the gut. Okay. Because we're literally moving anything that's in the body that we want eliminated back to the gut for elimination. But if you're think, not in a cleansing period, then then it's it's not so crucial. Okay. You okay. can think of literally pushing the we would say ama or toxins or anything that's not properly digested that's in the bloodstream or the tissues that doesn't need to be there. You can go through your body and literally think of pushing it to the gut because the gut will eliminate it. It's a doorway out. Mm-hmm. If you're not in a cleansing period, your attitude towards the abhyanga can change and you can go over the body with the knowledge that the body is covered in what we call marmani or energy points. And you can start to access your energy body through your abhyanga and just getting to know where on your body you have sensitive points. That's a marma point. You can certainly learn the science of, of the marmani. It's similar to acupuncture points or acupressure points, but the Ayurvedic energy map of the body has 117 points all over the body that allow us to to work in two directions. In one direction, the, the points will work the nervous system, calm the physical body, And then moving into the deeper realms of our being, the marma points can access the mental body, the pranic body, can release emotion, 
just by going through the points. I've had people that I've given Marma treatments to, and I'm just barely touching two points on the body and the whole body gives a convulsion. Wow. So, so working with these points is very powerful, very powerful. Pranic blockages can get released and amazing experiences and depth can be uncovered. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you uh, also offer that as a, those treatments? I do. I do. Wow. That's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Are there any tips for if you're doing this at home and to not get your whole space crazy messy <laughs> with oil? <laughs> well, I do mine inside of the shower. You, you want to warm the oil. You want it just, just a bit warm. And I sit inside of the shower and do my abhyanga for 15 to 20 minutes. And then after that time period has passed, I just cut the shower on and I'm already in the shower. So it doesn't, it doesn't spread the mess about too badly. Yeah. Once you shower, you don't really want to scrub the oil off. You want to, you know, scrub some key areas, but let, let the oil just kind of run off, soak in that type of thing. You do it in your hair too, or? Not every single time, but at least yeah. once a week. At least once a week. Yeah. 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 And then how long do you let it sit on the hair? I leave it for the duration. So about 20 oh, minutes. Okay. Yeah. The food, the, that's what the be beautiful thing with the food cleanse, you can do all of the things and it's just so nice. <laughs> you know, yes. If you're, real, if you're really doing it. Do you advise someone who's like going through a cleanse to like the, to watch what they're watching on TV and what they're exposing themselves to? I think that that would be an interesting thing to hear. Absolutely. So anything that you're taking in is affecting the doshas. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about you know, what you're watching, anything that's coming in through any of the five senses, what you're watching, what you're smelling, what you're eating, what you're hearing, and what you're touching all need attention. And so there needs to be a purification through, through every single sense. And so we try to favor staying off of technology, but letting yourself through your eyes take in the beauty of nature through the ears. The we try to connect with nature, the beauty of nature through the ears, through the nose, through the eyes, pure food through the mouth, the abhyanga for the touch. Yeah. So all everything needs to be addressed. Yes. Yeah. What is the, as an example, between summer and fall, in case someone is wondering, what's the, the when is the period that you do the, so like for it, us, where we live, you know, there's people in different places listening to the podcast, but we are in the United okay. States. So we're like, so I think the end of summer would be considered what, like August? August. Well, it, it's going to depend regionally. So it could be, September, August, any for, where from August to November, depending where we okay. are. Okay. 
Okay. So there's also a component to this that we have to live in this modern society, which mm-hmm. doesn't really align with nature always. So even if you're a little outside of that window, mm-hmm. but it suits your schedule for whatever it's reason, okay. it's it's better to go ahead and do it than not to do it. Right, right. That makes sense. You know, one of the things that I love and that I've, I've, I start my day with is uh, warm water with lemon in the morning. And I learned this from Ayurveda too. Can yes. you speak a little bit on that? Like, I just find that so healing. What specifically speaks to you about it? I guess like I feel more hydrated, but I also just like the warm water. And I know people like one of my friends, she actually can't do the lemon. It's a little too intense for her. So Uh I'd love to hear on that from you too. Uh, But she just doesn't do the lemon. And I put like a tiny little bit of like pink salt on mine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, what, so let me just say to what you said, what speaks to me about it. I think one thing I started this many years ago was that way back, I used to reach for a cup of coffee. So this sort of like switched my whole thing. After I started doing this, it's like, then it was no, I never started anymore with a cup of coffee because my, my go-to in the morning is really warm water, you know, a room temperature water. So that in itself, it's like so powerful. And when I was working with a clinic in India and he would, and the doctor was like telling me just drink that and don't, you know, don't drink anything, like just stay a little bit with just that. So just give my, my body a break. So that was like a really nice thing. So now some days I don't, and I mostly drink tea now, but some days I don't even do that. Cause my go-to is not know how some people's go-to is coffee or tea. My go-to is what? I love that. I love that too. Yeah. So, so an interesting thing about Ayurveda is that you could almost say that it's a endeavor to worship the Agni or worship the fire, which in the physical body is, is your digestion. So that one little ritual is a big boost to your digestive system. So taking that same same substance at the same time every day creates rhythm in the body. And the digestion loves rhythm. Mm -hmm. The thing about the temperature is that If you imagine your digestion, and we call it Agni, which translates as fire, if you imagine it as a fire, you would never pour ice water onto a fire and expect that fire to behave appropriately. So Ayurveda says it's the same for your digestion. You do not pour a load of ice water onto your digestion. So it's it's typically room temperature to to warm for beverages. Now you can tolerate some some chilled be- beverages to a certain degree especially in the pitta season, but it's a matter of again individuality and learning your own digestion and what it tolerates, what it thrives with. For you it sounds like this lemon water ritual in the morning really is something that allows your agni to thrive. 
Yes, I would say so. I really love it. It's awesome. And it's so easy to do in the morning. Why oh, yeah. we can ask, I could ask you this. Why is digestion so important? Ayurveda says, so, so I'm also a, a dietitian and, and, you know, we like to say you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. Ayurveda doesn't, doesn't completely agree. Ayurveda says you are what you digest mm. and what you don't digest is toxic. Mm-hmm. And so anything that you're putting into the body through any of the five senses that you can't properly process turns into what we call ama or toxic residue and it must be cleansed out otherwise it accumulates and wreaks havoc on the system yeah and so having an optimally functioning digestion allows a greater capacity to tolerate the things that come in that disrupt us mm-hmm. does that make sense Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I think that also it can affect your sleep too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And sleep is so important as well. You mentioned rest in the beginning too. Yes, yes. Just to be able to fully. I just find that I, I also have a lot of clients and this is something that a lot of people are struggling with, I think, in our modern day society, the ability to 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 have a good night of sleep, like with the good REM to really drop and to and then digestion is another one that comes up with as well. And sometimes they kind of go hand in hand, sometimes separate. But I think the ability to also rest to really say, you know, okay, my day is over. I'm going to relax now. That there's so much, so much that we're handled. I think because of the overstimulation of things, there's just so much, so much going on. And, and at night, that's one thing I learned in India. Oh, I've been there often. I spend a lot of time going there and learning these different, different tools for health and wellness. There's nights and we're like on Netflix until the last minute or whatever it is. And the phones are on and you look, you're scrolling on Instagram or whatever it is that really affects me. You know, and especially because I have both in my life and it's like the days that I really kind of follow my ritual, it's so much better for me. But when I don't, it's just, it's so on my face, like the the big difference, you know? (laughs) So I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that because I think a lot of people like me are probably deal with that too. So there's rhythm to so we were talking about ayurveda being very connected to nature and there's rhythm in nature so there's the rhythm of the seasons and there's the rhythm of the moon cycle and the rhythm of of the day sunrise the height of the sun the sunset and into into nighttime ayurveda as much as we can, tries to align with those rhythms. So on the seasonal basis, we're cleansing with the seasons. And on the daily basis, we try to to create anchors to align with the natural rhythms. And so the most potent anchors are setting not it does these don't have to be rigid schedules, but there should be rhythm to 
your eating routine and your sleeping routine. So if you can set approximate times to wake up, approximate times for bed, and approximate times for each meal, and ideally each meal has uh, a similar quantity for each, each time. I'll talk more about that in a second. But setting these anchors so that your body knows what to expect and when to expect it. So it's much like setting an alarm clock for four o'clock every single day for two weeks, your nervous system sets to it and it knows you're going to wake up at four o'clock every morning to the point that if you forget to set that alarm clock, you'll probably still wake up about four o'clock because the nervous system likes rhythm. It likes to, to know what's about to happen and it can function very, very well when it does know. And so setting those, those anchors of meal times and sleep times are very powerful. That's foundational Ayurvedic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so when I mentioned the quantity of food, I just want to clarify that the quantity of food should be approximately the same, not at each meal, but approximately, approximately the same across the board in that Lunch in Ayurveda is typically the the largest meal. Mm -hmm. And then the other two meals are smaller. And so trying to consistently create that within the rhythm is next level up. Yeah, it's like super powerful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Wow. You, You like gave us so many things to think about. Thank you so much. Yes. I I hope that I gave some actionable items too, to get people started with incorporating Ayurveda. Yeah. So what do you recommend? Let's say, I mean, I want to know also like about Mm -hmm. your offerings and how can people get a hold of you, but would you recommend that they get this book? Would you, what would you recommend? Like the, one of the first things they do if they're interested in this lifestyle? I would love to hear from you. And even if I'm just pointing you in another direction to find where you need to go, I'd be more than happy to do that. Yeah. So we are going to include your email on the show notes and then tell us about the website too right now. So people are just listening and want to look at it up. It's ayuryogi.net. A-Y-U-R-Y-O-G-I dot net. Okay. For those of you who are just listening to the audio, I was mentioning the book, Ayurveda, The Science of Self-Healing by Dr. Vasant Lad. And this is who Donna spent 10 years with and worked with, studied with. So you have a really good, solid background. Uh, I can't wait to also watch the documentary that you document recommended for us. And yeah, there is just so many things to to think about, but it sounds a lot like a lot, but the thing is if maybe if you're listening, you know, to these kind of principles for the same time first time, but it really once you start applying it, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, it actually becomes like very much like this is a very natural way of living and it becomes it's not yeah, I haven't found when I'm really in it and I'm in programs and I continue it, I feel like 
it's just, it, that's what feels natural to me that feel when, and then you feel really good. So when you're feeling really good, you're like, oh, this is really great for me. So it's just that it's easy that the tricky thing is that we live in this modern society, like you were saying also, and there's so many different things coming at us. And they could be distractions or demands or people that we we service that we need to do things for care or whatever it is. So sometimes that can, can can take you, you know, off track. And then when you get this, the mind gets distracted, it's really kind of hard to just take that first step to get back on track. But then I feel like once you do, it's just like a snowball. One thing just leads to another and it, it feels right. Like homeostasis, like you're saying, that's. It's like a really nice thing. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. So you you live your life according to all of the principles, of course. I I do, but I want to clarify that it, it as you were just saying, it's not as intense as it sounds. It's not it's not a labor. It's just a way of being in the world. <clears throat> it's a way of viewing the world. It's a way of interacting with others in the world and living in harmony with the five elements. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it. So for you, it just has become very natural and it's, it's how you, it's your daily life. Basically. It's, it's a daily life. Mm -hmm. It's a daily life. And I'm not sitting here with, you know, sitting in a cave, just observe, <laughs> observing five elements. I'm a single mom with three elementary age children. We have a dog and a cat and all the things that happen in the world. But yeah. Ayurveda will give you a lens to view that world through that gives the perspective of how to be in it and to be authentically well in body and continue to allow your consciousness to evolve. Yeah. So with the children, are they also in the principles or they try to, to they follow have, it? But they I'm have, sure you share and you lead by example too. Yes. And they have no idea that other kids don't, don't oil their bodies or and just being there, I'm sure they're more aware about foods and whole foods and teaching them that since, you know, when you're a child, I think that's so good that just can stay with them for the rest of their lives. It's amazing. They're, they're really amazing little people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. And oh, also should say, cause there's a lot of people listening. Do you see clients on zoom as well? or online? I do. I do. And I don't have that offering posted on the website, but I but do. they can reach out to you. Absolutely. I would love for everyone listening to reach out to me. I would, I okay. would feel so blessed. Yeah. And can work with you even if someone is in a different state or a different place, they can work remotely. Nowadays, there's so many different options with the online I, stuff. Yes. I have people yeah. all over the country that I work with. Okay, good. That's really good to know. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's so good to have you. And I really appreciate all of the things you shared with us. I think that this is, this was so informative for, for everyone. Fantastic. Happy to do it. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Life on Earth Podcast. Follow the show and share this episode. Sending you lots of love.